0: Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Last week we looked at David bringing home the Ark of God to Jerusalem, and he started off doing it his own way. But then God's wrath was made known to them. David stopped what he was doing and returned to God's ways of doing things. And David gets the ark to Jerusalem successfully, and he decides that he wants to build a house, to build a temple for the ark of God to be put into, rather than just staying in a tent like it has done for the past many, many years. But God tells him, no, you're not going to do that. Your son will do that, but not you. God tells David, I've got much bigger and better plans for you. God says to David that he will make his name great. He will give Israel a place to live. He will give David rest and make him victorious. Finally, God tells David that he will give him a son to succeed him. But also a son that would rule forever. Of course, the immediate son was Solomon. And Jesus Christ is the son That rules forever. And that would be a great Father's Day message if we just stopped right there. But the scripture doesn't stop there. After this, David starts to see God's word coming true. He is continuously victorious in battle. His name is made great. He was essentially the ruler of the world. Then one day, David goes up on his roof after a nap, he sees this beautiful woman, and he says, I want that. And as king, you pretty much get what you want. And as what we see in today's scripture are a bunch of what we would call just little, little sins, no big deal, just little sins that continue to build and build and build up into this massive web of deceit and lies. Now, most of us are, are familiar with, with David. We're familiar with at least David and Goliath, that story. We're familiar with that. And we're familiar with the, the lineage that we see you know, in the New Testament down to Christ. We see David's name there. We know David was a great king. But, you know, this is one of those things that maybe some people never really looked at. Maybe never really heard a message on, and, and certainly not on Father's Day. And in fact, when we were studying this in Strongstown, there was one guy there that, uh, I don't know if he had never really heard of this story of David and Bathsheba, or just never really, you know, you don't really pay much attention to it. A lot of times people throughout the Bible have the same names and you never know which one's who, who who really is. But when we were studying this, he was just amazed. This is the same David through the lineage of Christ? This is the same David that fought Goliath? The same David that is a man after God's own heart? He was amazed with it. But our first account of David and Bathsheba starts off with David simply maybe being just a little bit Lazy, let me say. Maybe he was arrogant. Maybe he was egotistical. It's springtime, and springtime is whenever the kings went off to war. You didn't go to war in winter because it's winter. It, it's cold. There's not much food for your for your people to eat along the way. So you don't go to battle in winter. So kings go to war in the spring, and that's when this was. Not David. He didn't go out with his troops. Oh, yeah, he sent his troops out. He didn't go with them. He stayed back at his castle, and and one day he woke up from a nice little nap, and he decides to go for a little stroll on his rooftop. and, And that's really sin number one. No, not walking. That's not a sin for sure. But sin number one was David wasn't doing what he was supposed to have been doing. If he was going to send his troops into battle, he, being the commander-in-chief, should have been right there, commanding the battle, commanding the war. But he wasn't. He was back in his castle, taking a little nap. And he went for a little walk. His sin was idleness. And he got into trouble. Now, as you know, I've never been in the military. But some of you have been, either by choice, or maybe not by choice. And I've talked with some of my friends that that were in the military and other people, and they would always tell me stories about how their sergeant or whoever was in charge of them at the time would give them these absolutely ridiculous things to do. And I'm sure if you were in the military, you had that same experience. In fact, one time the guy told me they had to go out and they set up their camp, set up their tents, and then the commander or whoever was in charge told them to tear it all down, move it ten feet, and set it back up again. Why? Because if you got a bunch of soldiers, a bunch of guys sitting around doing nothing, they're gonna get into trouble. Same thing with kids. They're gonna get into trouble. This applies to any of us, though. This is what happened to David sitting around kind of doing nothing, and he got himself into trouble. But his sin doesn't stop there. He sees this beautiful woman. Now remember, David is married. He's got at least three wives at this point in time. Uh, Actually, he's got three wives that he took as his own. Obviously, Saul's daughter, Michael, uh, Abigail, and then uh, some other woman. But being king, he inherited all of Saul's wives as well. So, he's got tons of of wives. But he sees this woman and he wants her. So David's next sin is desiring something that he doesn't have. And boy, hasn't that gotten all of us into trouble before as well. Even if we don't act on that desire... It makes us feel bad that we can't have it, whatever it is. We can't have what we want. David, of course, being king, he gets whatever he wants. So sin number three, then, is David pursuing Bathsheba. He sends his men find out who she is. I want her. After that comes sin number four. He sends for Bathsheba. Even after he found out who she was that, that he was, that she was married to one of his elite soldiers, David still wanted her. Think about it. The entire situation could have been avoided if David had simply gone to war like kings do. Or if, if he didn't look at Bathsheba. Or when he looked, he, you know, he saw it and he looked away certainly you don't inquire about her then. And then if you do inquire about her and you find out she's married, you don't send for her. But he did. These little sins, little sins. David ignored his conscience through these little sins, as we would call them. They're not little sins to God. They're all the same to God. Sin is sin. But David ignored his conscience. So he was good to go when Bathsheba showed up at his bedroom. And that's the point. Satan doesn't attack us with this really massive temptation. It doesn't usually happen that way. He uses these small little sins, as we call them, to enable us to justify our actions. Satan wears down our defenses. And before you know it, you're knee-deep into some serious sin. And you're separated from God. If you go home this afternoon and you read this entire chapter here, chapter 11, you'll see that God's name is never mentioned until the very last sentence. Depending on the translation, it might be the last paragraph. But at the very end, it simply says, But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. The rest of the chapter, no reference to God at all. And that's what Satan wants. He wants us separated from God. He wants us to do things that displease the Lord. And that's what we have here. We have David committing several little sins that eventually lead to adultery. He messed up. And I'd like to say, at this point, David hit himself over the head and said, Oh man, did I screw up. And he got down on his knees and prayed in repentance to God. But that's not what happens. The sin doesn't stop there. Instead of confessing his sin, he tries to cover them up. He sends for Bathsheba's husband and tries to get him to sleep with his wife so that it will look like the child belongs to the husband. But Uriah is an honorable man. He says, no, I'm not going to go home and enjoy a good night's sleep and time with my wife and good food. I'm not going to do that. Because not only are my buddies out there at the front line, sleeping in tents and battling against the enemy, so is my God. So I'm not going to be here and do this. So David comes up with another plan. He's like, alright. He writes a little note to the commander Joab. He gives the note to Uriah to take to his commander, that essentially says to Joab, send Uriah out to the front lines and in the heat of the battle, have all the other men pull back so he's out there fighting by himself. And you're not going to last too long. Essentially, he's going to get killed. Unbelievable. This is a man after God's own heart, lusting after a married woman, getting her pregnant, trying to cover it up, and then ordering the husband to be killed. This is David, King David. The same David that is a man after God's own heart. Unreal. And as you look at this web of lies, this web of deceit, deception that David built, you see that it's not just David. There are many other people that are involved, many other people that that are affected by it. Obviously, David and Bathsheba, for sure.
1: But also the
0: servants, because you know that the servants have to know what's going on. I mean, the servants sent for Bathsheba. They found out who she was. They sent for her. They brought her to the king. So They know what's going on. No doubt Joab knows what's going on too. He gets this note from Uriah that says to send Uriah out to the front line and pull back. Now, as a commanding officer, you've got to be like, well, come on here. This is pretty fishy. What's going on? So there were other people involved. And not only that, but while that battle was going on and Uriah gets killed, so do several other good soldiers. They get killed. So Uriah pays for David's sin with his life. Then we see next time David and Bathsheba also suffer the loss of his son. That's what happens when we stray from God. And there's a lesson here for us to learn this morning. David was a father. He was a king. He was a husband. But he screwed up at times. And rather than confessing his sin, rather than saying, oh, I'm sorry, I messed up, or whatever, he tried to cover it up. He tried to hide it. And that's a lesson for us to learn. When we do mess up with whatever it might be, face up to it. Pay the penalty. Pay the price. Rather than trying to cover up your sin, cover up your error. Go to God. Go to that person that you've wronged and tell them. One author wrote, the process works like this. First, the thought is allowed to enter into our minds. Second, the imagination is sparked by that thought. Third, we feel a sense of pleasure at the fantasy, and we entertain it. Fourth and finally, we engage in the evil action, giving in to its urges. This is how little by little temptations gain entrance and overcome us if they are not resisted at the beginning. The longer we let them overcome us, the weaker we become, and the stronger the enemy is against us. Exactly what happened to David. He saw Bathsheba. It went into his mind. He didn't look away. He imagined something. He enjoyed that. He entertained the idea. He sent for her. And it continued on from there. There's an old saying that says sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. So a character reap a destiny. And how true that is. We need to remember that we are who God has made us. And what we make of that. We can be children of God or we can be children of Satan. Who are we going to listen to? Who are we going to trust with the everyday Matters of life. And on this Father's Day especially. We need to take that into consideration. As fathers, as I said. Maybe you've made mistakes. Messed up. Not done things right. And that happens. Because we are all human. We are all living in a sinful, fallen world. But the question is, how do we respond to that? Do we cover it up, hide it, and ignore it? Or do we repent of it and confess our errors and try to do what we can do to make things right? And if, on the other hand, you're a child and your father Is still living. And maybe you haven't spoken to them because of something that that has happened. Maybe as their son or daughter go to them this weekend and talk to them. Renew that relationship. And if you can't do that, at least pray to God for them. That God will open that communication. Because God wants us not only to be in communication with Him, and a relationship with Him, but in a relationship with our other brothers and sisters in Christ. And hopefully that includes our parents and children. So on this Father's Day, remember your Father. Let's close with a word of prayer this morning. Lord, we come to you now seeking your guidance in our everyday matters of life. Help us to turn from our temptations that we face. And when we do happen to give in and mess up, strengthen us to to not cover up our sins, but to come to you for forgiveness. And grant us the grace and the mercy and the peace that you desire for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, Amen.